John chapter number 4, verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. And when he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst give, ask Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou then this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here hither to draw. The story is very well known and pretty plain. The Lord Jesus has been walking. He is now tired and thirsty, which by the way, is proof of his humanity. John chapter number 1, we have him, Jesus Christ, is God. John 1, 14, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And here in John 4, we find the Lord with sinless infirmities, infirmities of his flesh. It's nothing sinful about being tired or thirsty. But it is something that Jesus Christ, as God, did not experience in heaven. It is a proof of his humanity. He comes to Sychar in Samaria. If you don't know this, the Jewish people were very careful about their bloodlines. I'm guessing that everybody here is a mixture of nationalities. I'm part this, I'm part that, I'm three-quarters this, I'm half that, I'm this, that. Okay, all of us have mixed, na in America that's the way this really works. But the Jewish people frowned very heavily upon marrying someone outside of their, of their nationality. The people who did that were pushed aside and had to live in a place they, in Samaria. They were called Samaritans. They lived in Samaria. The full-blooded Jews would avoid that place if possible. But we find in this passage of Scripture, the Lord Jesus had no such prejudice. Traveling through Samaria, he sits down at the well at Sychar. The Samaritan comes out to draw water, and the Lord asks her to give him something to drink. And she says, thinking, you know, normally people, Jewish people don't have anything to do with us. Why are you asking me to give you something to drink? Because you people, knowing he's a Jew, full-blooded Jew, don't have anything to do with us. And the Lord said, if you would but ask, I would give you living water. 
And she says, well, how would you give me living water since this is a very deep well and you didn't bring a rope and a bucket or anything. How are you going to give me this water? Then she gives him the history of the well. Now, the Lord's next words are what we're concerned with this morning, so let's read them again. Verse number 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The conversation continues. The woman puts her trust in the Lord Jesus as her Savior, and much of the town comes to him through her testimony. Now, sitting in this room this morning, listening on the live stream, whoever is listening to this, the vast majority of the people who are hearing my voice this morning have already come to Christ for this living water. For some of you, it's been recent. In the last week or two, or maybe the last month or the last year, you have come to Christ for this living water. Many in this room, this happened very long ago. Maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, you came to Christ for this living water. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ this morning... The lion's share of this message is for you. If you have not done this or you're not sure, we'll discuss that at the end of this. But the main part of the message is for those of you who have already come to Christ for this living water. Now in this passage of scripture, the Lord draws a parallel between physical water and thirst and spiritual water and thirst. The Samaritan woman doesn't get it at first and eventually it comes clear in her mind this morning. We want to use this same illustration to our advantage. Let's reread what the Lord said here. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. For most Christians... This passage presents kind of a problem. True, they understand the plan of salvation. Yes, most understand eternal security. Once you're saved, you're always saved. For most, without a doubt, their soul is resting in the knowledge that heaven is their home. They have no issues with all of that. They, have, they are not thirsting in that realm. But the words, never thirst, is a problem. For almost all Christians find themselves, at one point or another, thirsty. Many in this room this morning feel a thirst or a lack or a need in some area of your life, in some area of your heart today. You feel it shouldn't be this way. And the Bible promises otherwise. But you find yourself, at least from time to time, if not much more often than that, thirsty. How can this be? What is the problem? 
And let's see if the Lord will make this clear in our minds and hearts today. The title of this message this morning is, Are You Dehydrated? Are You Dehydrated? Let's pray. Father, you know we cannot get where we need to go unless you take us. You know all the brains and all the power in this room could not change one thought. But by your spirit, you could take us so far. You could open our eyes that we might live in the provision of the Lord Jesus the way that you already have chosen for us to live. Lord, don't leave your children in the dark this morning. Take us where we need to go. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ who purchased all of this for us. Amen. The Lord clearly promised never thirst. Yet Christians often find themselves thirsty. How do we rectify this situation? How does it we get this to come to what is actually wrong here? Let's take it one step at a time. Let's progress through this so their mind can get a hold of where we're really at. Number one, there is plenty of water. You may be dehydrated, you may be thirsty, but there is plenty of water. Thirst generally stems from one of two reasons. Either the source is limited or the source is unavailable. Last week, my, most of the, Kelly and Carol and I ended up at a garage sale. Go figure. At this garage sale, we met these people at the last time they had the garage sale. These people had two or three hoarders in their family. And they have had a garage sale every month for the last four years. And they have not scratched the surface on what they have. Anyway, I met them. We wheeled and dealed quite a bit the last time. And so we went to the, they, they called me to tell me they were having their garage sale. They told me so I could come early and get first dibs. Once I got there, she says, well, once you look through this, you can go up into the attic of the garage and pull down anything, any box you want to bring down here and sort through it before anybody else sees it and take whatever you want. Well, we'll wheel and deal on everything. Now, you've got to understand, for a guy like me, that's better than tickets to the Super Bowl. That's better than tickets to Adventureland. Better than a free bowling pass for the rest of my life. To be able to do this, we were there a very long time. Carol eventually left. We had two carloads by the time we were done. But it was hot. It was Thursday. You remember how hot Thursday was? And I, we were in the attic of this garage. When we got done, I was soaking wet. I was thirsty. So I, Kelly and I, she stuck it out with me. We went to Raising Cane's. She ordered her chicken without breading, which took extra long. So they gave us our drinks and told us to park. So we're sitting there, haven't got our food yet. I took two long draws on my pop. And then it made that slurping sound. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Is there any more depressing sound in the world than this? The, the cup is so heavy because it's totally full of ice. I'm dying of thirst. And the source is gone. Do you understand? So my thirst remains because there's not enough to take care of it. Now, 
This is often one of our problems. In a desert, this is a problem. The water is scarce, and it's very easy to run out of it. Now, around here, water is not a problem. It's not scarce. The fact of the matter is, at home, I had a 24-pack of Coke. I have all different kinds of things, and I have a connection to the water tower of Marion County. I have what would be considered, in my opinion, for myself, almost an endless supply, everything that I need. So why am I sitting in a car dying of thirst when I have all of this? Because it is unavailable. I have this unlimited source, but it's unavailable to me at this moment. Does that make sense to you? So I have a source in front of me that's limited. I have an unlimited source that's unavailable. And so I sit there dying of thirst in my, what, dying of thirst, okay? Just see so you know. Now, this is not why a Christian thirsts. What did the passage say you would get when he gave you this water? A well of water springing up. You carry the source with you. Can you get a hold of that? You carry the source with you. My grandfather, when I was a little kid, we were out uh, saining minnows one time, and he said to me, when he was a little boy, he and his friends found a well, not a well, a, a natural spring. He said, we were so excited about finding this natural spring, they, they decided to dam the thing up and make a swimming hole. So they worked, if you can imagine what that would tell the work that would take to dam this thing up and make a swimming hole, and they did, and they got the water to swimmable depth. And he told me, we never swam in it. You know why? Because the, the spring was continually feeding this thing, and it was too cold to ever swim in. Because it is a continual spring. And that, my friend, is what you got when you got saved. You carry the source with you. There is enough water. You understand that? Point number one, there is enough water. There's plenty of water. Number two, that, that water will quench any thirst. That water will quench any thirst. It's funny that our thirsts are not always the same. In any given moment when I go to my fridge, okay, and this is not exactly true because the two girls have been home for the summer, but it, normally when they're not here, at any given moment when I go to the fridge, there will be at least Coke if, or another couple of flavors of pop. There will be milk and chocolate milk and apple juice and grape juice and water. You know the deal. And you stand at the fridge and you think, what am I thirsty for? Because sometimes the Coke just isn't going to quench the thirst that you've got. Sometimes milk is not the answer. And so you look through there and you decide, that's what I'm thirsty for. And you make choices based on the, the different thirsts that you have. My friend, in the world today, there are many kinds of thirst that we can experience. Loneliness, grief, expected trouble, unexpected trouble, 
burdens of our own sin, burden of someone else's sin, enemies plotting against you, friends forsaking you and taking advantage of you, the path of life being dark, the future being unsure, the strike of tragedy, the loss of a loved one, the burden of just being you. Some of you may not understand that, but many in this room would understand that. The burden of just being you. The list of our heart thirsts is almost endless. My friend, the living water will quench any thirst. It doesn't matter what the thirst is or how deeply it is felt. There is plenty of water, and the water will quench any thirst. Within you is a well of peace, contentment, love, joy, and faith. There's plenty of water, and that water will quench any thirst. Number three, the water doesn't have to be dug, pumped, or purified, just received. The water doesn't have to be dug, pumped, or purified, just received. Getting water can, uh, to drink can often be a problem. It can be a lot of work, a lot of difficulty. One of our missionaries wrote this week that they had dug four wells. The first three were dry holes. If you can imagine what it would be to dig a well by hand on a foreign, in a foreign country, they dug three, and they all three were dry. The fourth one, they finally got water out of it. That's a lot of work. The woman at the well said to the Lord, there's plenty of water. This is a deep well. There's plenty of water here. It's been here for a long time, but you don't have anything to carry this out with. You don't have the equipment to get that water out of that hole in the ground. You realize that's just the same as not having any water at all. If the water's 40 feet down and you don't have anything to get it out with, you might as well have no water at all. It's a difficult thing to get out. When I was a kid, we had a friend who lived just up the road and they were on a well. And, and you know how kids don't understand each other very well. He said, before we drink our water, we got to steal it. <laughs> what is, you know, why do you have to steal your water? Come to our place and you can have some for free. You don't have to steal. He goes, what he meant was distill. They had, they had this machine that they would pour the water into, and it would come out distilled, okay? It was a lot of work to get that drinking water. They had a complicated piece of equipment to make the water drinkable. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the living water within is a well springing up. You don't have to dig for it. You don't have to pump it. You don't have to try to make it drinkable. All you have to do is receive it. Oh, that we would understand this. I cannot remember all the details, the who, what, when, and where, but there was a pastor I read of him who faced a major tragedy, a terrible thing in his life, and he found himself having to speak on the topic, my grace is sufficient for thee. He worked every which way he knew how to try to make it so in his life. How can I make this grace sufficient? In desperation, he cried out to the Lord, and then he saw his error. He had been trying to work up and pump out the, that living water. And the verse says, my grace is sufficient. He didn't need to work on it to make it sufficient. He just needed to take it as it is. 
My friend, there is plenty of water. It'll meet every thirst, and the water doesn't have to be pumped or dug or made drinkable. You just have to receive it. Number four, the world, the flesh, and the devil dehydrate. The world, the flesh, and the devil dehydrate. Did any of you in your misspent youth play the game theme park on the Sega Genesis? If you'd start humming the tune, it would be in everybody's head if you ever played that. The game was, a theme, it was an amusement park that you controlled and you bought and sold rides and you set up the concession stands. And one of the tricks to winning the game was this. You set up a concession stand that sold french fries. Right next to your concession stand that sold pop. And then you had the, the people who ran the french fry stand. You sold the french fries dirt cheap. But you added extra salt. And in the booth right next to it, with the selling pop, you raised the price way high and filled it full of ice. <laughs> and this is how you made, <laughs> you made your money, by making the people so thirsty with their cheap french fries, they're real salty, so they had to buy this really expensive pop. How many of you remember this game? <laughs> Merchandising skills being taught on the first level. <laughs> Christians have three enemies in this life. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And our interaction with these enemies is like eating salty potato chips. It makes you very thirsty. The effect that they have in your life is worry, doubt, fear, lust, greed, covetousness, lies, evil surmisings, anger, depression, wrath, bitterness, pride, helplessness, dissatisfaction, and a myriad of others. These three enemies cause you to take your eyes off of the Lord Jesus, that well within you, and to, seek, to cause you to seek to have that thirst quenched in some other way. How many times have you not let worry dehydrate you as you tried to find the solution to the problem some other way other than Christ? How long have you let bitterness dry out your soul? How thirsty have you gotten tried to hold on to your anger, your lust, your greed, or your pride? My friend, there is plenty of water, and it will quench any thirst and it doesn't have to be pumped or, or dug or made usable, just received. And the world, the flesh, and the devil dehydrate you. Number five, if you feel a thirst, then drink. If you feel a thirst, then drink. It has been a long time since we have had a baby in the house. Now, through modern technology, we have one there every day. <laughs> FaceTime. FaceTime. We are FaceTiming with Heidi and Sierra. Okay, rephrase that. Carol's FaceTiming. I'm getting the after side of this, the, you know, the, the catching on the side thing, every day, multiple times a day. The other night, Sierra had a tummy ache. 
I didn't think that had anything to do in my world, but it did. <laughs> you remember, when I had forgotten how much a baby cries when they're dissatisfied. Can you, can you hear it in your mind? When they get so, they, they need something and they get so distraught that they are crying, and it's not just crying, it's this distraught cry, and their little lip kind of quivers up and down, and it kind of sends cold shivers down your spine. You're like, can we just shut that off and FaceTime her later? <laughs> I'm, I'm the grandpa, not the dad, okay? <laughs> that just slipped out, sorry. <laughs> and I remembered being a dad, I remembered that sound. And I remember one of the kids would be hungry. And it was my, I had to go make a bottle. And so, ah, oh, I should have fed the kids. So you run to make the bottle and you get the formula. You got to warm up the, the water and you mix the formula. And meanwhile, they're crying and it's getting out of control. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you're working as fast as you possibly can. And by the time you get this thing made, you get over there, you stick it in their face, in their mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you stick, and they won't take it. Do you remember this? They are so upset about being thirsty that they will not take the drink. And they cry, and you keep pushing it in, and they keep pushing it out, and you push it. <laughs> and you work at this, and you're like, this is the most stupid thing in the whole world. They're not smart enough to be smart like us, right? They must be too young for that. But let me ask you this. How many times have you got so distraught in your life that you would not drink of the living water? You just keep spitting it out because I am so upset about my thirst, whatever that may be, that I cannot drink from the fountain. My friend, if you're thirsty, then drink because you have a well within you that's full. And it will satisfy every single thirst. You say, how do you do that? You go to the Lord Jesus and say, you know that I am thirsty and I come to you to quench it. It's that simple. I go, I know that I'm thirsty. I come to you to quench my thirst. I seek my water from you. Now you would be very foolish to try to seek satisfaction from your enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, at the same time you're trying to drink from the well. Hanging on to the cause of your thirst while you're trying to quench it is foolishness. I want to hang on to my sin and ask the Lord to just not make me thirsty. I want to keep doing with my worry, but let the Lord keep filling me up trying to gratify the flesh and asking the Lord to quench the thirst, it creates at the same time is foolishness. But my friend, there's plenty of water. It meets every thirst. It doesn't have to be dug, prepared. It just has to be received. The world, the flesh, and the devil dehydrate you. If you feel a thirst, then drink. Number six, if you continually drink, there will be no cause for thirst. If you continually drink, there'll be no cause for thirst. This would be a real help if you can get a hold of this. 
and Ms. Wilbel actually mentioned this, not knowing that we were going to discuss this, in her Sunday school lesson. It's not unusual for me to stop at the convenience store and get a 44-ounce fountain drink. Not unusual. It is unusual for me to drink the entire thing. I normally leave probably a third of it or so when I'm all said and done. But what I do is put it in the cup holder, and then I drink it. You know what? I don't drink it because I'm thirsty. I didn't buy it because I was thirsty. Why did I buy it? I happen to like Coke. Okay. Oh, there's nothing better to bite. I like to bite the end of the straw and then suck on it really hard so it squirts into your mouth. It restricts the flow, but it squirts it, and that cold Coke just runs around your mouth. Ooh, that is like, yes. <laughs> I drink. I have it sitting in my cup holder in the car. I bring it in, and I set it on my desk. And I never think, oh, I'm thirsty, I better drink. You know what I do? Just like you do. You drink it all day long. Why? Because you happen to like it, whatever it is you're drinking. And you don't drink because you're thirsty. You drink because you enjoy it. It is the sweet nectar of life, this Coke. Do you know that this is how, has been the secret of God's people down through the centuries? They go through this life with all its troubles and cares, yet they pass through it unruffled. Others marvel and say, how can that, they do that? They, how can they do this without being thirsty? They have been continually drinking and the thirst is dealt with before it comes up. Does that make sense to you? They have been continually drinking, and before the thirst ever comes up, it is already dealt with. Think about how I get this 44 ounce, because I like it. It's no difficulty to drink it. I like it. I don't have to force myself. It isn't generally because I'm even thirsty. I like it, and I drink it in the process my thirst rarely becomes an issue. When a believer does what the Bible tells us to do, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. They assuage their thirst in the Lord, and they find in that process, in his presence is fullness of joy. You find out, hey, I like this. And if you will, as they learn to continually drink, they find themselves spending less time with the enemy that dehydrates, and they're taking in that living water continually. I was weeping on the pulpit this morning, on the platform here this morning. A few years ago, it's quite a few years ago now, I was walking by, Daniel was doing his schoolwork. He was playing his Bob Jones videos for Bible. And the lady on there was teaching him a song that I had never heard before. That song quickly became one of my favorites. It became something that I sang regularly. It became special to my family. And not knowing it, 
because my brother and I haven't talked about, I've been out of the office a lot this week. We sang it right before I got up to preach. I am his and he is mine. Now this is the Lord with his own little sticky notes and if you don't catch that, helping me move through this. The third verse, think of it in the context of the message now. Things that once were wild alarms, those things that used to make me really thirsty, cannot now disturb my rest. I'm not thirsty at all. Closed in everlasting arms, pillowed on the loving breast. I'm continually drinking at that well. Oh, to lie forever here. I want to keep drinking continually. Doubt and care and self-resign. I give up those things that would create thirst. While he whispers in my ear, I am his and he is mine. In his presence is fullness of joy. If you are constantly drinking, there will be no cause for thirst. Let's take it one step farther and we're done here. I know the time is late. Number seven, if you are constantly drinking, that water will flow to others. For many Christians, one of the thirsts that they feel in their own life is to be a help and an influence in their family and the, people and the world around them for the Lord. You feel this thirst. You want to be a help and an influence on your own family and the people around you. Here's how. I can remember as a, as a young boy being surprised, I guess is the right word, about the sponges underneath the, the, the kitchen sink. I remember when I first got a hold of a sponge underneath the kitchen sink. The thing was hard and stiff as a board because under the sink it got totally dehydrated. And a sponge totally dehydrated is a very rough thing. And you think, how could you clean with this? Because it's very rough and any water just disappears. But when you take water and you pour it on that sponge, it starts soaking it up, right? And after you pour enough water on that sponge, what happens? Now, whatever you touch gets wet. Anything that interacts with that sponge is wet from that point on. When it's that dry, crusty little thing underneath, it's taking everybody's water. But once it's had enough water, you cannot interact with it without getting wet. And this, my friend, is how we influence this world. We have a well of water springing up within. And as we continually drink of that water, we become so super saturated that everybody around us, whenever you interact with us, you cannot help but be affected. The water flows. This is what John 7 tells to us. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. If you're here this morning and you're without Christ, you say, I don't know anything about this. Let me tell you, you do not have a well within. But let me tell you this, you can have. Christ offers it as freely to you as he did that Samaritan woman. He said, if you will ask, 
I will give you a well springing up unto eternal life. All you have to do is ask, and I will give you that living water. If you would ask this morning, that thirst that you feel in your very soul, the answer to that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It cannot be quenched by anything else in this world. And if you would ask, he would give you that living water and put within you that well at which to drink. My friend, there's plenty of water. That water will quench any thirst. You don't have to dig it, process it, or pump it. Just receive it. The world, the flesh, and the devil dehydrate you. So if you feel a thirst, then drink. And if you'll continually drink, there will be no cause for thirst. And if you're constantly drinking, that water will flow to others. There's plenty of water. The question is, are you dehydrated? Let's pray.